a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, today the United States Senate passed a bill that provides billions of dollars to the U.S. semiconductor industry. With the politicians promising today that it will help us compete with China. The question is, will this bipartisan bill, which includes taxpayer subsidies, by the way, uh, is it just a short-sighted solution to a bigger, longer problem that needs to be dealt with? Especially in an industry that's changing, always changing, uh, often changes and turns over way faster than the House of Representatives does. Uh, helping us break all of this down is Scott Hodge, the uh, president emeritus and senior policy advisor at the Tax Foundation. Uh, Scott, as uh, you and I both know, it's it's uh, we tend to have the spidey sense go up as soon as we start talking about billions of dollars uh, going to uh, to big companies. And uh, this bill, the Chips and Science Act, uh, first tell us what it is, uh, what just passed, and then we'll get into why we should be concerned. Well, I, I don't want to be too cynical, but this is just a giant pork barrel slush fund uh, for the uh, chip industry and a lot of uh, various so-called science programs. But it really is going through a lot of government bureaucracies to sub- subsidize all manner of things. And as you mentioned, the ostensible purpose of this is to try to compete with with China, but replicating Chinese industrial policy does not seem to make sense. Uh, for the United States and uh, spending billions of dollars for a very successful uh, industry uh, reeks of just uh, basically industrial policy and and, and, and pork barrel pro- uh, politics. Um, and I think the thing that we have to really be careful with is these kinds of programs tend to metastasize in the federal budget. You know, I, don't forget, Ronald Reagan once said that uh, the closest thing to immortality is a government program. And we see this throughout the the federal budget, whether it's wool and mohair subsidies, the helium reserves, ethanol, steel, credit unions, all kinds of things uh, were programs created uh, during so-called emergencies, and then they stayed in the budget forever. And I really worry that that these kind of subsidies for this kind of industry uh, will then become a permanent part of the budget. But more importantly, they create special interests whose whose incentives 
is to make sure that those subsidies and the gravy train keeps on forever. And that's a danger to taxpayers everywhere. Yeah, I, uh, and I'm glad you showed restraint in uh, declaring what this is today. <laughs> but, it, <laughs> uh, but I think that was an accurate description. And, and it, it, raised, it does. It just raises so many questions of uh, an industry that has done well. Uh, granted, I think we have recognized some challenges. Some of those are supply chain issues. Some of those were pandemic related. Yeah. Uh, so what's the right way to think about this, particularly as it relates to uh, national security interests? Obviously, uh, doing more of this at home uh, is a good thing from a security standpoint. But what's a better way to be thinking uh, about how we make improvements in this space? Well, we have to make the United States a more hospitable place in all ways for investing in high tech. Well, investing in in all manners of manufacturing and technology. Uh, For instance, of course, you know, the Tax Foundation looks at um, tax policy as one of the big uh, impediments uh, to uh, making the United States more competitive and more hospitable to this kind of investment. For instance, uh, right now, uh, or typically, co- uh, companies are able to write off immediately the cost of their research and development expenses, R&D. But changes that were made during the 2017 Tax Act have, have uh, required, now require companies to write off those expenses over a longer period of time. That's effectively a tax increase on R&D and uh, makes that kind of investment much more expensive. There are other similar types of aspects in the tax code that make it more difficult for companies to write off the, uh, the costs of these kind of investments, especially when we're talking about big factories and, and, and um, manufacturing plants. Uh, those have to be amortized over long periods of time. And in, a, in an era in which we have 9% inflation, though the value of those write-offs uh, disappear almost immediately. So it makes them much more expensive. And if you look at the way that these kind of investments are handled in other countries, China, for example, um, our, our uh, economists estimate that the tax costs to these kind of investments are much, much cheaper uh, in, in China as compared to the United States. For instance, the tax costs there are about 4.5%. Here, it's in double digits, about 18%. So it's wow. much more expensive uh, to invest here than it is in China. We need to change that rather than subsidize those industries. Yeah, and I want to dig into uh, one of the – what has always been a big issue for me in all of these – any kind of uh, money coming from taxpayers as it relates to, to these kinds of industries, especially where we say, well, we've got to innovate, uh, we've got to be independent. Uh, and so often what happens with those subsidies – is it actually ends up hurting uh, innovation and hurting growth. Explain that for our listeners. Well, the steel industry is a great example. At least every decade over the last six decades, Congress has passed some sort of tariff or, or tariff or restriction uh, on imports in order to protect the U.S. Uh, steel industry. As a result, the steel industry has declined and shrunk each and every decade over the, my lifetime. And so it's the kind of thing where trying to protect an industry makes it lethargic, makes it less inventive and innovative. And as a result, it simply becomes less competitive, and then it starts to shrink rather than grow. When you, when you 
push industries and people into a much more competitive situation, you make them more dynamic. You force them to be innovative. You force them to be cost competitive. And that's, that's what makes uh, many U.S. industries uh, the champions of the world. High tech is a great example of that and why other countries fear us. But the more we try to protect our businesses, uh, this, essentially the more that we make them um, soft and less competitive. Yeah, I think we uh, saw that in a significant way with the solar industry where you had government mm-hmm. investing, yes. picking winners and losers like Solyndra that I think actually slowed down our innovation when it comes to solar panels in both increasing efficiency and lowering costs for consumers uh, than if we'd let the market drive some of that just on its own. Well, what happens, and you're absolutely right, what happens is that industries uh, start to see the government and the bureaucracies as the customer dictating the terms of what should be made rather than the actual marketplace. And that's what it really drives down in innovation because bureaucracies are inherently risk-averse. They're slow to react. They're always behind the curve. And as a consequence, um, those industries fall further and further behind. So the more that we force them into competitive situations to actually respond to the marketplace and not bureaucratic or political dictates, uh, the more they're going to thrive and be competitive. Yeah. Is there anything you see on the horizon? The House has said that they'll take this bill up. Uh, Steny Hoyer uh, is saying they should have a vote on it by the, the end of the week. Uh, is there anything else on the, the horizon that, again, would kind of change the dynamic of this conversation uh, to get to what is going to make us more competitive and more secure? Sadly, you know, politics are, are the rage here. And, you know, uh, last year it was all about PPEs and medical devices and so forth. And this year it's all about chips. And um, so the, the, the political flavor of the day is semiconductors. And unfortunately, it looks like both parties are, are falling uh, in love with this industry and are going to now ladle all kinds of subsidies on it. And I really fear that this is going to be uh, the end of the industry, where it's going to be much more like agriculture, and that is, you know, basically making to the government markets and not the the broader uh, free market. And it's a it's. It's hard to see how this this train is going to slow down at this point. Yeah, and going back to your uh, Reagan quote, uh, this is this is where the eternity begins, and uh, and so mm-hmm. often uh, it's only those who can afford the lawyers and lobbyists that uh, can stay on that gravy train, uh, while the the innovators uh, and the startups that really push, you know, both for better costs and better products uh, for consumers uh, are the ones that tend to to get edged out. Uh, as always, uh, Scott, appreciate your perspective. Uh, Scott Hodge is the president emeritus and senior policy advisor at the Tax Foundation. Uh, great insight. It's just critical. We it, it sounds good on paper, but you got to dig in. You got to go past the headline and see the downstream impact and what it will actually do for the country. Scott, thanks for, again for joining us. You bet. Thank you. All right, we'll step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, the president's approval ratings, of course, are taking a hit. Some Democrats are openly talking about other candidates in 2024. Republicans are nominating some interesting uh, and suspect candidates in the midterm. So next, we're going to take a, a deep dive and look at where we really are, what comes next when it comes to poll numbers. Stay with us. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. 
I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.